0: CyberBit is offering Cyberwire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at Cyberbit.com/slash Cyberwire. Black Hat sees some winners not only of the best of Black Hat competition, but also the experts who captured the flag at the Kaizen. DNC hacks raise questions about U.S. voting security. Democratic senators call for hearings on Donald Trump's request that Russia find the 30,000 emails deleted from Hillary Clinton's State Department era homebrew server. China seems to be probing Philippine networks in conjunction with a dispute over territorial waters in the South China Sea. The Gozi banking trojan is said to be headed for U.S. targets. Bitfinex is looted of tens of millions in Bitcoin. The real deal criminal market seems to be suffering from poor customer service, and no one quite knows what's become of the boss. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, August 4th, 2016. We're out at Black Hat, and we'll have an additional podcast devoted to some interviews with the participants. But for now, we'd like to recognize some of the people who've taken honors at the event, starting with Aaron Lint, Vice President of Research at ARCZAN, who placed first in Booz Allen Hamilton's Kaizen. The Kaizen is a Capture the Flag event sponsored annually by Booz Allen Hamilton. We spoke with Booz Allen Hamilton's Timothy Nery about the competition. It started
1: about four years ago as an internal training exercise, and we've been bringing it out to Black Hat and running this competition for a couple years now. Um, It's a great exercise for people to sharpen their cybersecurity uh, skills and uh, their tool sets and learn some new things. Um, So this year, our Capture the Flag, we're running a traditional Jeopardy style, uh, so we have challenges ranging from uh, web hacking to exploitation, reverse engineering, coding, a little bit of everything. Kaizen itself is rooted in the Japanese culture and it has a meaning of continuous improvement of self, and that's something that we feel very strongly about, um, and that we want to continuously improve our skill set in cybersecurity, and that you always have to stay on top. Um, doing capture flags is one great way to, you know, keep your skills sharp.
0: This year's kaizen winner was Aaron Lint, vice president of research at Arkzan.
1: I'm actually a repeat player. I came in third place a couple of years back, but first time I won. It. I'm a graduate of Purdue University, a computer science master's there, um, and I started off working at a small application security company. Kind of worked up through the ranks as kind of be good being a good white hat hacker and attacker. Um, you know, can really enforcing like I, I, I'm always about practical attacks and software not the sophisticated crazy hacks most of the hacks that happen are kind of simple and you know really straightforward that's one of the things I think is misconception a lot of people have and so these you know these competitions sort of highlight that fact and make it accessible to people it's an excellent tool to learn you know it's an opportunity to sort of branch out in a safe space you know you're not on the fire line uh, you know it's not your you know employment and at risk, etc. So you know, I always encourage people that are learning in InfoSec to play CTFs as many and as often as you can. I always find it very interesting that there's something new and you know that you learn something new every time. That's why you know keeping fresh with these skills is really important.
0: Congratulations, Aaron. Congratulations also to the winners of Dark Reading's Best of Black Hat, Deep Instinct, which was named most innovative startup, Vectra, recognized as the most innovative emerging company, and Paul Vixie, founder and CEO of Farsight Security, named the most innovative thought leader. In the wider world, the Democratic National Committee complains that the FBI should have warned the DNC earlier that it was under cyber-attack. Had they known, the DNC says, they would have been quicker to defend, secure, and remediate. The leaked emails from the DNC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and the Clinton campaign, more of which WikiLeaks promises are coming, continue to stoke concerns about the security of U.S. voting systems. Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson mulls publicly about designating voting systems as critical infrastructure, but observers see this as, so far, amounting to little more than an assertion of agency equities in line with the recently issued PPD-41, the President's Directive on U.S. Cyber Incident Coordination. Issues of technology, procedures, and above all resources remain to be addressed. Questions about former Secretary of State Clinton's homebrew server persist, and some Democratic senators are calling for hearings on Republican candidate Trump's invitation that Russia find and release Clinton's missing emails. Dispute over ownership of territorial waters in the South China Sea again finds expression in cyberspace. Chinese cyber units appear to be prospecting Philippine targets with spyware. F-Secure has observed the non Shu rat active in regional networks. North Korea is again actively engaging South Korean targets. Seoul is complaining that Pyongyang has been hacking emails of South Korean diplomats. Turning to the Islamic State and its online activities, it's long been noted that secure messaging app Telegram has for some time been one of ISIS's preferred means of communication. Unfortunately for the caliphate, Telegram seems leakier than ever. Iranian hackers are said to have taken another run at the app and uncovered data, specifically including phone numbers, on some 15 million users. Whether or not one of their command and control channels has proven less secure than they'd hoped, ISIS and its competitors in jihad continue to work on their online inspiration of followers. Egypt's Islamic State affiliate takes to the internet to promise suffering to Israel. Boko Haram, in what amounts by jihadist standards to a charm offensive, goes online to promise more attacks on Christians, but reassures everyone that it will leave mosques alone. Pakistan's Al-Qaeda and Taliban group seeks to inspire through the example of Osama bin Laden, whom of course they present as a martyr. In cybercrime news, US banks and credit unions are warned that a fresh wave of Gozi malware infections is headed their way. Gozi is an evolved version of earlier banking Trojans. It's engineered to be stealthier than its predecessors and it seems optimized for accomplishing fraudulent funds transfers. Bitcoin exchange Bitfinex has taken itself offline after losses that for now total somewhere between 66 and $72 million. Trading is suspended until the exchange can clap a stopper over the losses, recover funds, and resume secure operations. Neither suspects nor the precise mode of attack are known yet, and speculation ranges from hackers to collusion by insiders. Digital Shadows has presented their study of the Russian web hosting service Deer.io, which further supports the general view that the service caters to online criminals. Among its prominent users is Darkside.global, where the criminal Tessa88 sold stolen Myspace and Twitter passwords. Finally, the impresario behind the Real Deal criminal market seems to have disappeared, at least for now, and the site's customer service appears to be suffering for it. The Real Deal gained notoriety as the bizarre-worthy hacker Peace tried to sell stolen credentials, most recently credentials he claimed to have stolen from Yahoo accounts. The Real Deal is still up, but it's become buggy and unreliable. Peace and others piously hope that the criminal market wouldn't do anything really criminal, like abscond with stolen goods and services. One can only hope. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Dr. Vikram Sharma. He's the founder and CEO of Quintessence Labs. Uh, Dr. Sharma, you all set out at the outset when you started Quintessence. You were working on quantum key distribution. But, you know, very often when you're running a company and you put that product out in the real world, you have to make adjustments and there's lessons you learned. And
2: that was your experience here as well, yes? Absolutely, Dave. Um, As you quite rightly noted, we started off our journey and continue to have as one of our core capabilities, a quantum key distribution system. But as we uh, brought that to market, what we saw was uh, that that market, while important, was developing at a rate slower than what we had originally anticipated. However, I think you noted that point about agility. And uh, I guess we were fortunate enough to recognize that some of the capabilities that sat within the quantum key distribution had broader applications to protect not only data in motion, but data at rest also. And uh, what we did was uh, partition out the true random number generation system, which is a quantum random number generator, and uh, couple that with advanced uh, key management. And that seemed to resonate, and indeed is resonating, stronger with market. So, Our learning certainly has been that it's been uh, while you stay uh, true to your original um, mandate, which was in in the area of of quantum security, but uh, it's been critical to be responsive to the market and adjust and adapt your offering to uh, take into account the feedback that the market is providing.
0: And when you're dealing with this internally, you know you're you're a relatively new company. You're 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 starting up. You're getting you're getting going. Was there any resistance internally? Was there any challenges when when people were coming back and saying, "Hey, what you're doing is great, but we really need something uh, something different or something additional to that"?
2: Yes, Dave. Uh, there were a, a couple of areas, in particular, that I could point to where we had to evolve the group. Uh, the, the first was that uh, we were quite heavy in terms of scientific experts in the early part of our journey. As we made this transition towards uh, technologies which were a blend of conventional cybersecurity with, uh, with advanced physics, we found the composition of the team had to evolve to accommodate that. And indeed, uh, a number of cybersecurity experts were, were added in to the, the team the other thing where we found an evolution in the company was was culturally where we had to uh, uh, i guess evolve the mindset from being one about uh, doing very interesting and uh, cutting-edge scientific work to producing uh, robust offerings that would would survive in a, a fiercely competitive commercial environment
0: all right so you, you need to be responsive and you need to be agile <laughs> dr vikram sharma thanks for uh thanks for taking the time for us and we'll talk again soon are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program